Thanks for listening to Call of the Week. I'm Ginger Rousey with the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. Two guests in our studio today, Dr. Larry Steckel and Dr. Scott Stewart. Hey guys, how are y'all? Hey, Ginger. We had so much fun uh, tag teaming this last time, so I asked you both to come back uh, because I know you're getting lots of calls this time of year, especially you, Larry, with, with weeds. And I'm guessing resistant grasses are still an issue right now. Yeah, they, they sure are. In fact, pictures I got sent today were, were barnyard grass and jungle rice that got through a burn down um, and then got through Roundup dicamba and, and then they look like a hayfield. So mm-hmm. we still have a lot of those issues out there. It's still the number one issue is jungle rice and it seems like a little more this year, uh, even goosegrass. What about pigweed? Are you still seeing that? Is that sort of taking a back seat to these grasses? No, those calls are still coming in too where, where folks are a little disappointed or a lot disappointed in some cases uh, with their with their Palmer pigweed control uh, with, with a dicamba glyphosate application, sometimes with two. And it's, it's clear, at least some of the fields I've walked out in West Tennessee and even out back here on the research station, we, we've got a segregating population where we've got plants out there that are clearly showing... They're, they're getting through dicamba and others that are, we're controlling like we did years ago. Okay, so when we look at these resistant grasses or pigweed, what are your recommendations for these escapes? Well, on the grasses, it's really going back uh, and really got to go all in. Some of these grasses are getting huge now. So a pint of a two-pound clethodim product, uh, and then I look at a quarter roundup now too. That seems to be the most consistent to try and take down uh, these, these big grass escapes we're seeing in a lot of these fields. With Palmer pigweed, I'm still kind of searching what we need to do and what we can do. Um, so in some cases, um, you know, typically we've sprayed Roundup dicamba and then come back seven days Roundup dicamba and really, you know, usually finished off the, the survivors. That hasn't been the case in a number of fields this year. In cotton, it really looks like Liberty is the go-to there. Uh, may want to bump that up to maybe 40 ounces, depending on how big they are and, and, and how wide they are out, out in the field and underneath the, the canopy. In soybean, I have had some pretty good luck with um, some kind of PPO herbicide. Uh, Anthem Max, I've seen that work very well, cleaning up some of these escapes. Uh, 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 Blazer, Ultra Blazer, a Cobra. Uh, some might you know consider a Flexstar prefix. It's just if you do those two herbicides, you've got to really be careful on what you plant next year. We're well inside the window if you're going to try and plant corn in March or April it'll carry over and, and cause issues in those crops. What about dicamba drift, 2,4-D drift? You know we've been hearing a lot about that the past few summers but it doesn't seem to be as much in the news this year but are you still getting a lot of calls about it? So yeah those calls really started kind of about 10 days ago. In fact Scott and I walked several uh, a day uh, and since then I've walked some more. Um, some 2,4-D some drift, uh, typically out of Enlist soybean or Enlist cotton, uh, onto Extend cotton. Um, and then just here yesterday, I looked at 700 acres of Enlist soybeans that got drifted over from one end to the other with dicamba. Uh, and those are disheartening when it's that many acres. Um, so, you know, this is really kind of a time, I guess, just to, you know, here we are in July, it's hot, it's humid. We hardly get any wind this time of year, so it's hard not to not to spray into an inversion, but we've got to double down and do the best job we possibly can. These herbicides are under increased scrutiny like never before. Uh, it's really kind of up in the air if we're going to have them much longer from a legal standpoint. I'm beginning to wonder if we aren't losing them from a resistance standpoint too, but from a legal standpoint for sure. And so anything we can do 
to keep those herbicides in the target field. Uh, and, you know, we've gone through those for years. Uh, you know, go back to those, those fundamentals, uh, spray in the middle of the day, know what crops are around you, in particular, know what crops are around the field, and maybe take appropriate action with a, with a herbicide then. And we're probably nearing the cutoff really for cotton and soybean, right? So, yeah. Well, we are on, on cotton for sure. It's 60 days, and we're, we're there and um, for most fields. And really, and I people are going to get tired of me talking about it, but getting the hoods back out, it, my gosh, we've got to do that. Direct MSMA is cheap. It's easy. It works. Uh, so that, that would be a real good option. Yeah. Scott predicted that you would preach about hoods. Oh, yeah. Well, he was right. <laughs> he won. It was $5? <laughs> you win that bet. All right. Well, Scott, we'll bring you in. And I guess you're maybe in a little bit of a lull, but I know there are things that are going to be coming down the pipe that you want to discuss, particularly plant bugs. Yeah, and I'm going to probably focus my comments on cotton because that's where most of the bug action is. And right now it's really quiet in, in soybean anyhow. But actually, I think some of it follows very well with Dr. Steckel's comments. Having to deal with resistance and, and managing plant bugs, that's our, our number one cotton pest. And it, it's the one we probably have the least amount of good chemistries for. So we have to manage them correctly. And that means rotating and using them in a logical sequence in order so that we're not over relying on any one thing. You know, I, I, we have some people out there that will run orthene all year long, and it's a good insecticide, but it's not very hard to predict what's going to happen if that's all we do. And so, you know, for me, I try to leave orthene out of the early season pre-flower portfolio when I can. Sometimes you can't, but when I can for plant bugs for a couple of reasons. One's resistance management because that's one of our go-to products later in the year. And the other one is it sometimes creates problems. In fact, it pretty consistently will create problems with things like aphids or, or spider mites. And, and so I'd like to encourage people to really think about their insecticide selection. Really what we try to do is rotate things from different times of the season. When we get into the heart of the season when plant bugs are bad, you know, the end of the month, uh, we'll start throwing the kitchen sink at them. And, and again, the kitchen sink isn't, doesn't hold a whole lot of water. We've got three or four really good chemistries. Uh, you know, orthene's one of them. Uh, you know, some of the other OPs like Bidrin are pretty good. Transform's a relatively new product that's a unique mode of action that we really rely a lot on. Diamond's another one. And then the, the neonicotinoids like imidacloprid and Centric we're using right now and that's the window I like to use them in is early early squaring and then get off of those products later in the year because they just don't work as well. But uh, the other thing I get a lot of questions about is rain fastness. Okay. And it's a lot different, I think, than herbicides and some of these fungicides. Really, for the vast majority of the insecticides, they don't have rain fastness. They have to be on long enough before rain to give you most of the benefit. There are some exceptions. Products like Diamond are pretty rain fast shortly after application. Later, than year when, later in the year when we're spraying Prevathon or Besiege, those products are famous for having two, three weeks residual control. And the reason they can do that is they're rain fast. They don't wash off. But uh, most of them, you want them to be on long enough to get, get a benefit. And Orthene's a great example. It it's, needs to be on 24 hours to get full effect. It's, it's not good if you get a rain on Orthene within four to six hours. Uh, some of the other insecticides like Transform, you'll probably get most of the benefit out of it after just an hour or two. And I've, I've had that experience in my own test. So it's, it's kind of a, uh, you got to know the chemistry a little bit. It's the one time uh, where we'll see some pretty consistent benefits with adjuvants too. 
Normally you don't hear me talk a lot about adjuvants, but uh, if you have a range shortly after application, uh, there's some data out there, particularly from some of my colleagues, that shows some, some pretty good benefits. But I guess the take-home point for me is, you know, rain within a couple of hours of application is, is never good. In some cases, like with orthene, it's, if you've got bad plant bugs, you're going to turn around and retreat it just, just as quickly as you can. It's one of the reasons when we get to this near flowering window, I like to start mixing in diamond because diamond has that better rain fastness. It's also another reason I like transform because it doesn't seem to require as long to, to really get some benefit to it. And I, I love mixing things like diamond and orthene or transform and, and orthene because I, I can cheapen things up and still get the benefits of different modes of action and increased rain fastness. Yeah, kind of speaking of rain, a little off topic, but we had four and a quarter inches one night this week here at the research center. So a lot of rain this week. Just in general, what are you hearing and seeing from producers out there about this, you know, big rain event? Well, it was a money maker for a lot of people, you know. So you hardly ever look at this was a June thirtieth rain, yeah. but uh-huh. the July rain is hard to turn around, turn down. I know some folks probably had a little bit more than they wanted, but. But overall, it's a good thing, but it does interrupt field operations. You know, it, it makes does. it harder to get in the field. You have to worry about rain fastness, and the, and the weeds don't mind it at all. No, right? <laughs> we'll probably get another flush here now with this rain. Yeah, it's light hitting the ground and wet soil, you're bound but to see it. I guess the upside is, you know, we had just put some dual out, and it activated the dual probably, and then some. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Good for some, not so good for others, but we know, take what you can get, like you said, with the rain this time of year. Uh, Before we leave, I know you've got an event coming up, Scott, you want to talk about really quickly. Yeah, and it's not just my event, it's our event. It involves Dr. Steckel and Dr. Kelly and Angela McClure and some other folks, but it's our Soybean Scout School. Traditionally, we do these in three or four spots, field side in the state, but given the situation with COVID-19, Unfortunately, like everybody else, we're doing essentially an online virtual scout school, and we're going to do that next Wednesday. I think it is July 8th at 9 a.m. It'll be about a two, two-and-a-half-hour program, but I think it'll go pretty well. We have a lot of really good online resources already, so we'll feature some of these, these things, uh, you know, showing how to sweep, a little bit about insect weed identification, disease management. Uh, so you'll have that at your disposal Uh, and available after the scout school but it's a zoom link i've advertised it in our ut crop news blog there's a link in there but you do have to reach out to either me or ladon kelso who's my secretarial support for a password right that's That's similar to cotton scout school this is what you did that so follow the same format follow the same format when you get online i'll give you instructions if you want to get pesticide recertification or cca points Uh, we're doing the best we can with this stuff but uh I think it'll go fine. It's just, it's the best we can do. We're actually doing a little bit earlier this year because normally we try to wait until things are really happening in mm-hmm. the field and there's no point in doing that right, in, in right. this situation. So you can kind of uh, brush up before that really happens. Of course, Larry, you had the weed tour virtually. Mm-hmm. That's posted on our UT Crops YouTube page. So seven videos yeah. that we did. So yeah. you can go through and watch kind of the tour of the research center weed plots um, and, and get that information there. And, of course, want to put in one plug for the Milan No-Till Field Day, which is virtual this year. And if you haven't registered yet, there's still time to do that. Uh, you can go to milannotill.tennessee.edu to register for the field day. And those presentations, all 65 of them, are going live on July 23rd. Well, you know, there's some real advantages to some of this. It's not all bad that no. it's virtual. Like, I watched several of Larry's 
we tour videos and they're you know they're very short and concise and you can hear every word because right. you're not in a crowd of 200 people and you're focused on it and you can fast forward through the boring stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that <laughs> yeah and you pay attention right because you don't have you're not distracted by your, your friends and neighbors that are there also so there you go so yeah so check all of those uh, those videos out uh, Larry's we tour on UT crops YouTube page and then Scott's got his uh, not just yours, but everybody's scout school that's coming up next week. Uh, and the link is there on the UT Crops News blog. And, of course, the Milan No-Till Field Day coming up later this month. Thank you both for being with us. And uh, thank you all out there for listening. Hope everyone has a happy Independence Day weekend. We'll talk next week. Mm-hmm.